This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Hello, hello, hello. How are we doing today, ladies and gentlemen? It is Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Steelers Nation Radio for the next two hours, doing it how we always do. And we got not a lot to talk about, but we have something very, very (laughs) important to talk about. I guess that's a nice way to put it. Yeah, no, because usually I'm like, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. You know, it's going to be action-packed. We got boom, 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 that, that, that. But no, no, no. Today is a little bit more of a simplistic approach. We just happen to have an elephant in the room that we're going to get to talk about. And uh, you say we're be singularly fun, focused. So, some might say that today we are going to be singularly focused. But more importantly, as we always do, we keep these shows very, inact- uh, very interactive about our opinion, because obviously we're going to give our opinions and we got the takes. We got, you know, thoughts, comments, concerns and things like that. But at the same time, we do like to hear from the audience. Indeed. The listeners, the power grid, the megawatts. So we can know your thoughts and the topics that we will be discussing today and the best way to be involved with said conversation is by hitting us up on the twitter.com at dubody52. Dubody. And at Wesley Euler. The good hair. And how's my good hair colleague doing, my friend? Marvelous, darling. I uh, woke up this morning absolutely thrilled mm-hmm. that the conversation we are about to have fell on a Moats host Tuesday Hashtag blessed. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm not going to lie. I just said Motos Tuesday. Wednesday, Tuesday. You, you, same, we same moved it around right? a lot over same the years. Difference. You get it. Same difference. But uh, I do like that. I like that. I'm not going to lie. I, I too, was uh, very excited that it happened to fall on a recording day for me because mm. it's off-season time. And I'm like, you know, I got work days and I got my off days. I'm not yep. glad that this was a work day so I didn't have to, you know, come up out of bed extra for this one. But sure. it was worth it because... For those that do not know or may have not heard, former Miami Dolphins head coach Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit against the NFL. And in his lawsuit, he is. I mean, he has <laughs> pretty heavy stuff. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. So um, he is essentially talking about the racial discrimination that has been taking place towards minority and uh, African-American coaches in terms of the hiring process. Then within that, he starts to present facts. And the first thing he uh, revealed was a text message, a series of text messages from current New England Patriots head coach, Bill Belichick, where him and Bill are talking through text because obviously he used to work for Bill Belichick. So they had a relationship there and Belichick is congratulating him. He's letting him know that, Hey man, I've been, you know, and talks with the Giants and the Bills, and all signs are pointing uh, that, yeah, they're hiring you. You're, You're the, the guy. guy. Yeah. And to his surprise, he says, well, man, that's kind of odd. You know, I haven't had my, my second interview yet. Who do you think you're talking to? And Belichick then reveals that, oh, I've made a mistake using an explicit, but he simply says he thought he was talking to Brian Dable, 
not Brian Flores. Brian Day will be in the former offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, who was also a part of Bill Belichick's staff in New England, Correct. who actually did get the head coaching job with the New York Giants. Now, the issue is this. Those texts were sent three days prior to Flores even going for his in-person interview. Up until that point, he only had a virtual meeting, not the second meeting. So for him to be having that type of confirmation, that type of information, not even to mention that Bill Belichick doesn't work for the New York Giants. Bill Belichick definitely doesn't work for the Buffalo Bills. No, not at all. Why is he even in these conversations to that level? Privy to that information. Absolutely. And that far in advance. Before a guy who is actually a finalist or should be, in theory, a finalist for a candidate. You got better scoop than Adam Schefter. It's crazy. And we know Schefter's undefeated with the scoop. We know that. So, to me, man, I was definitely surprised by that, but it gets more. You know, the, the plot thickens before we even <laughs> get into the, hey, digest that, rebuttal that. I want to lay it all out, and then we can go back and comb through it. I love it. Okay? Love it. That's the best way to do this because there's, man, this yes. is thick. So that was the first part of the allegations, right, where he's talking about the hiring process amongst NFL teams and, you know, the lawsuit that he was putting out there. But then the plot thickens because we know that this part of it, and I'm sure people are saying, well, hey, most man, I don't want to hear about that, man. We we, we we get enough race clickbait, stuff like that, watching CNN, watching Fox News, and I Do get all really that. we really have to have this conversation? Yeah. But it's our obligation, and I'll tell you why it's our obligation. The NFL has a rule in place that is geared towards incentivizing and promoting minorities, coaches of color, to get opportunities to be head coaches, to get opportunities to be in general manager or executive positions. Clearly, that rule has not been as efficient and as effective as people would like it to have been. When you look at how many coaches are in the NFL versus how many of them are minorities, you look at how many minorities are in the NFL, over 70%, but it's a lack of representation with minorities at the head coach and executive level. Zero, it was less, less, one less owner, now than when they instituted correct. the rule. Yep. And you have one owner who's a minority in terms of Shad Khan down in Jacksonville. But you still ask, well, what, what, what is this rule? What is, well, the rule is called the Rooney rule. Yes, yes. Named after who? Mr. Rooney. Okay? So it's a rule based on the person that pays me and Wesley's bill. It's his network that you're listening to. It's his to. radio this station. This is his radio station. It's called SNR, but it might as well be called Mr. Rooney's radio station. So what would I look like? He owns the radio station, too. What would I look like on a Motos Wednesday? In Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. on Still Nation Radio, talking about anything other than the Rooney Rule and that element of it. But that's the first part of these allegations in this lawsuit. That's <laughs> the first part. This is your this is my Billy Mays moment. Yes. But wait, there's more. So, as Brian Flores continues on with his uh, conversation with his lawsuit, the allegations become more to the on-field performance element of it. He says that. Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross not only was asking him and trying to incentivize him to tank and lose games intentionally, he went as far as to bribe him $100,000 per game. That's not the number that I said. That's the number that Brian Flores said. And he does say that, you know, if it goes further into into the, the um, litigation, that they can back that up. They have multiple people mm-hmm. to, that can corroborate that as well. But then, even after that, 
But wait. <laughs> but wait. There's more. Just when you think, okay, it was just the Dolphins. Call it, it in the was, next 10 it, it, minutes. It was just Brian and Flores. There's more. Just when you think it was just that team offering this situation. We get an oldie but goodie in terms of Hugh Jackson. Um, you know, you know, you know Hugh, former coach of the Cleveland Browns. The two seasons where they what 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 one in thirty was it one in thirty five I believe they were something like that. No, sixteen plus sixteen is thirty two. One in thirty one. Because he uh, I thought the one year. Oh my goodness, how, how many did he play the one year? You're right. There were some extra games. Yes, it, it wasn't was. just two it seasons. It wasn't correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was the thing. But, so I'm like, but, it's but in really, that but, vein. A, but a but a very poor yes. record as a head coach there Absolutely. during his time in Cleveland. Yeah. But he goes on um social media and he also says that, hey, um, this isn't the first time that this has happened. In fact, this was what happened to me in Cleveland. He says that he was also offered money to tank. Now he wouldn't get into the specifics of it, but he definitely said that he would also be on board in terms of supporting Brian Flores and providing him with information for their lawsuit as well. So Whew. It's been a very, very interesting 24 hours, to say the least. Yes, it has. I guess to start. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, where do you want to start? That's why I'm, I'm like, what, you're hosting. Where do you, you want to start? You know, to, to, to start this thing out, let's just start with this dynamic of the interviewing process. Okay. Do you see a issue with what happened not as a whole overarching Rooney rule, but just in the simple context of Giants, Bills, hiring process, Belichick knowing this information, and Brian Flores essentially going there to just fulfill a box, you know, in terms of, hey, did you do your Rooney rule? Yes, check. Got that off. What are your thoughts on everything right there, man? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's bad. There, there, there's no way to sugarcoat that because what that says is that when, because again, Bill Belichick, and he's, he's connected to the Giants organization. Sure, he, he was the defensive coordinator there once upon a time, won Super Bowls, two, I believe, there as the defensive coordinator for the New York Giants. But he's not connected to that level that someone like Bill Belichick, knowing that the Giants were going to hire Brian Dable days before it was made public by any insider, not Adam Schefter, not anybody else, when they still had interviews with other candidates, including Brian Flores, the the reality of that and the optics of that are, are both bad. Because the reality of it is that you just made Brian Flores waste his time when you had already made your decision, and the optics of that, Motsi, are you did it just because you had to fill a quota. Mm-hmm. It's not a good look. It is It is quite the opposite. It is not a good of look. Of a good look. And, again, that it's coming from Bill Belichick. It wasn't a text message from somebody inside the organization Correct. who got their Bryans mixed up. It, 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 because if it was that, then you understand. You're like, well, hey, of course he would be involved with that because he has to be in those meetings or around those meetings. But he's within the organization. It's the same company. We're not listening to Nike drop exclusives about who Reebok is about to hire or who Adidas is about to pick up. Like, exactly. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> it's 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 bad all over. It's rotten all over. It is it, it's a shame to waste Brian Flores' time like that and the optics of it make it seem like 
you just drug him in there because you had to satisfy the Rooney rule, especially Arthur Motes from an organization in the Giants that has has never had a minority head coach. When you consider all those optics, it's very hard to deny that it looks like they just brought him in to fulfill that quota, to check that box, and keep it moving. Yeah, it's not a good look at all. I mean, when you just talk about the integrity of it, there, there is none. There, there is none. And to me, when there is a lack of integrity in a position like this, where we already know there is heightened awareness because there <laughs> yeah. has been some type of flaw, there is a disconnect in the hiring process. Clearly, the the mantra of, oh, just hire the best candidate, I'm tired of hearing that because that is not what has taken place. And we can show that. How long do we have to talk about unqualified candidates? We've had we, you, and I, yeah, you and I have had these conversations. How many times we have to talk about the leashes in terms of how long a, a guy can be a bad coach versus a minority who can be a good coach and still get fired in terms of, and like I said, this is not speculation. This is not making this up. These are hard facts. You could Google them yourself, okay? But in the simple sense of just look at the average span for career spans in terms of head coaches with winning winning seasons or even losing seasons getting fired after a winning season that's my issue like a non-minority coach can have a losing season and their expectancy is still going to be around three years three seasons long a minority coach is at two seasons long it's very different also when you talk about minority coaches being fired after winning seasons it happens at a very high Mm -hmm. clip compared to Non-minority coaches, when they have winning seasons, they typically aren't getting fired. Real quick, Brian Flores was the first coach, first time Miami had back-to-back winning seasons Mm -hmm. in two decades. Since 2003, in 19 years. And let's be real. We know that that was supposed to be, hey, this is a tank job. This is supposed to be a bad situation. It's supposed to be the worst situation, in fact. And it was very much the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, shoot, you bring up Brian Flores. What about uh, David Culley down in Houston? We know what that situation was going year, in. One we know no one really even wanted the job, and that's ultimately why he even got the opportunity to take the job. And we're not going to act like they didn't exceed expectations. They didn't win games. They didn't do – I mean, based on everything that they dealt with, losing their quarterback, you trade away your receiver and all these other things, they should have the worst, absolute worst record in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That was not the case. But yet that guy still got fired as well. I mean, it's frustrating when you think about it in that context, right? But obviously – We'll keep going with the facts because I don't want to go speculative. We like keep with the facts. Keep with the facts, right? Hey, baby, we are a facts-based show, if nothing else. The people know that. So with that being the case, I hate the simple question of, well, how do you address it? What should be the ramifications of it? But if you are the NFL and you are hearing these claims, what is your action right now? Cool. Like, what do you, like, as you're processing this, because obviously you have to process it and you have to look into it even more so to see how valid or invalid, but what we can't discount is the fact that, yo, those texts are there. And the NFL already was quick with their statement exactly. to say yeah. this is unfounded or this is not true. Mm-hmm. I forget what the exact line was, but the NFL didn't even give that blanket, we're going to do our due diligence yeah. and we'll have no further comment at this time. They. They essentially called Brian Flores a liar in their their statement. Like it wasn't even just a, it wasn't a a Switzerland statement. No, it wasn't a neutral statement. Mm -hmm. It was a, this is false. We'll, we'll prove it. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, we, we know the power of the NFL. We know the money behind the NFL, but with something like this, 
to make sweeping statements like that that quickly, you better come correct. Because Brian Flores, clearly, when he's pulling in some examples from 2019 with the Broncos Mm -hmm. as well, too, He's Brian Flores is clearly hey, this talk is, about that situation as well because I, I didn't even bring that part up. Yeah. We were talking about everything else so in this for, lawsuit. For, yeah. for those of you who were unaware of 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 what I just referenced in the lawsuit as well, too, Brian Flores talks about an incident in 2019 where he was interviewing for the Broncos head coaching job, where he was currently with was he with the Patriots at that time? Yes, right. And so they met in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. you know, in between New England and, and wherever the Broncos were, New York City, I think, maybe doing other interviews. And Brian Flores basically said they were drunk. They were, you know, late. they had been partying. They were lit. Yeah. And all no, they, no, not lit. They were late. They were Showed late. Sorry, yeah. Well. yeah an, hour, like, an hour late. Yes, he was like, not late. sober. Yeah. And all they wanted to talk about was golf. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, what I'm, that's, that's what I'm referencing there. So this is clearly something Arthur Motes. This didn't happen to Brian Flores last week. And he said, you know what? I'm going to grab my flamethrower and I'm going to burn this whole thing down. He's gone through this. He knows fellow minority coaches that he has relationships with throughout his time in the league that have gone through this. This is clearly something that he has had in the back of his mind for a couple years, and and this was probably the the moment for him that he said, "All right, it's time." Because this is with with, with something like this with what Bill and I want to be clear with this. Like, Bill Belichick didn't do anything wrong. No, no, Bill's, I mean. He's involved in this now in the middle of it, but he didn't do anything wrong. Like, this doesn't. Yeah, no, it, somebody had to give him that information. This isn't Spygate, right. like something that people are going to debate about his Correct. legacy. Um, But I, I think when something like that happens, that becomes, if, if you're Brian Flores and you've been thinking about this already for the last two years, that's like your moment from God, your sign to go forward with this. When Bill Belichick texts you and slips up and, and lets you know that they had you come into this interview just because they had to and they had already made their mind up. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And like I said, man, when you think about that as a coach, man, that's got to be super humiliating. Obviously, you know, Brian Flores, when he was doing his interview this morning, he did say that. He did say that he felt embarrassed by it. He felt humiliated by it. I mean, in, in a sense, it, it did, uh, messes with your self-worth. When you know you're going Absolutely. into a situation that, hey, even though I feel like I'm qualified, I feel like I have all my ducks in a row, I don't stand a chance. And they asked him, hey, well, why did you even show up? And he said, well, I was hopeful. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is the issue. You don't have a choice because if you don't show up, you know what they're going to say? Oh, well, hey, he you care. take yourself out of it. You want to show he up. He didn't show up, yeah. So you're, you're, you're damned if you you're damned if you mm-hmm. don't. And that's the frustrating part with it for the minorities that are trying to advance in this league because I can tell you firsthand the amount of minority coaches that I've come across, that I've had personal relationships with, that I feel that, yes, they can take that next step. They are ready for that. But there is this gatekeeper. There is this you have to be a part of. And that's what Brian Flores in this lawsuit is ultimately trying to get rid of. Now, it's a major risk because – when you talk about people that have lawsuits or have had tried to go against the NFL, we know how that goes. Yep. Even claims were valid. Even if their claims were good and noble. Yep. Alan Kaepernick, prime example. You bring his name up, people are going to bring up everything except what he was fussing and fighting for, right? Even though what we just came from a year from uh, a year ago, not even a year ago, I mean a couple months ago, same exact thing. That's for another story. But this... This situation with the hiring process, it has to be improved. It has to get fixed. And it's not like it's speculative. 
Mm-hmm. The NFL themselves <laughs> acknowledges the issue. Correct. Hence the reason for the Rooney Rule. And why they revamped <laughs> it or added incentives to it a, a year ago. It, yeah, absolutely, because the Kansas City Chiefs are a prime example. They're going to benefit from that element. Mm-hmm. It's like you see other teams, and not consistently, but you can see where maybe a one-off here, a one-off there, it works for them. But as a whole, it's gotten to the point where you're handcuffing everyone because of the actions of the majority. And I have to say it's the majority because in ownership, in executive positions, they are the majority in terms of non-minorities. But the frustrating part, once again, with this, though, as we continue to dive in, is now when you legitimately are in a position to make that decision of yay or nay to hire a person, you feel handcuffed if you're a minority and you're in that position. You feel handcuffed in a sense if you're not a minority in that position because of the actions of those that came before you because of how many years now has it been documented that people aren't just hiring the best candidate available. Now, when these guys go into these meetings, imagine if you're a minority GM and you have a minority candidate you're interviewing, you almost feel obligated to give him the job, even if you don't feel like he's as qualified solely because I know the non-minorities in this position aren't going to do it. it. It it creates a conundrum. That's what it does. Yeah. And like I said, it's so frustrating because now you're taking away from coaches that can still be really good coaches that aren't minorities because for every minority coach I could talk about, I could give you another one that's not a minority that I love just as much. Sure, sure. But when you have this long track record, this long history of lack of representation, of overlooking, of shady principles in terms (laughs) of how you conduct and the the way you evaluate minorities versus non-minorities. It's a nice way to put it. I'm trying to be politically correct if you can. Yeah, yeah. Ah, PC. You, you, you know, you know, we're going to give it to him, but we're going to give it to him in a way that everybody can understand it. PC Arthur Motes. Because when you, because otherwise, you know how they react. It's, oh, man, you just loud. Sure. You know, we don't have to hear that. Sure. Anything to and- avoid the truth, anything to avoid what the issue is. Yeah. And you and I don't shy away from these conversations. We, uh, we're protected by the Rooney Rule. We're protected. <laughs> we're obligated. We try, we try and be, uh, you know, fair when we have these conversations. We try not to inject our personal political beliefs like everybody does with these conversations, and, right? And that's why you keep hearing that's you why you keep talking, facts. You grab. We, we the, only want to go the fact, bro. We don't. We not. Mm, we don't do the speculation. Ba- yeah. if, if you know anything about the Steelers Blitz here on your twenty four seven home in the black and gold, it's that we are a fact based show, and we never color outside of the lines but no when we when we talk about serious stuff like this that is true though a lot of people they'll grab the talking point and they'll run to the left or they'll run to the right depending on however they feel politically or however they think you know narratives are driven in this country and and all those different things but this arthur motes you know for everything that you laid out at the beginning of the show the rooney rule and what's that what that's meant to the steelers organization there's literally the tangible example right in front of us too Mm -hmm. with mike tomlin by all credible reports, everybody that I know in this town that I trust, that I that I know, you and I both know, are connected to the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Everyone says that job was Russ Grimm's after Bill Cower until Mike Tomlin came in for his interview and blew the Steelers away. Yep. And they said, this guy is young. He's in his mid-30s. We can have him for, you know, he can be the next Chuck Knoll, Bill Cower type who's here for decades and and. We don't have to worry about replacing. We don't have to worry about leaving. Um, by by all accounts of everyone who was connected to that situation and that process, it was Russ Grimm, Russ Grimm, 
Russ Grimm. You talk about the Steeler way of promoting from within, right? It was it was Russ Grimm until Mike Tomlin came in and wowed everybody. Imagine though, if if Mr. Rooney and company had done what the Giants did, mm-hmm. and it had, it was already Russ Grimm's job. They were just bringing Mike Tomlin in for the optics, and they weren't listening. They were out to lunch. They were uh, daydreaming. And that's the thing because people, while Mike Tomlin right. was giving his pitch. because people are legitimately legitimately going to say, well, hey, he still got the interview. He still had that opportunity. But we can all agree, and we can all, if we really deep dive into our personal situations. We've all interacted with somebody that was not interested in anything we were saying. Even if what we were saying <laughs> yes. was very valid, even if what we were saying we were very passionate about, we had great points, we had all these things to, to make our case seem perfect. We've seen where, you know, if a person's not interested, they just do not care. A lot of times more so with the relationship element, whether it's a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, but we've all understood what that felt like. So this whole notion of, oh, because it's in the NFL and we're all professionals, no, they're still going to listen to whoever is interviewing, and they're going to listen to them with the best, most keen ear and sensitive and, and, and be ready to evaluate in a non-biased motion. Sorry to tell you this, but that is 100% not the case. <laughs> yeah, I'd like whatever you're having because you're living in la-la land. Yes, yes, seriously. And and I think that that gets back to a lot of why – not even uncomfortable for a lot of people. It is It is certainly uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's just something that they're almost, that they just want to ignore. And again, I, I, I think we are at a point where it is, it is so in front of your face that you just, you're, you're doing a disservice if, if we tried to ignore it and we just came in here today and talked about the senior bowl and talked about Kenny Pickett's hand size, Arthur Moats. Um, we do need to get to a break here. Boo! In the next minute, we, there, there's a lot. I mean, there's a, still a lot to. I, I want to talk about this. Uh, this pay for losing thing with no. You so too. this is what we're gonna do, man. Since we do have a minute coming up before the break, we are gonna address that part of it because we've really hope uh, focused on the Rooney Rule element of it. But no, we do want to dive into that pay to tank concept because tanking is such a concept that people especially fans even Steeler fans yes I'm talking to you guys as well I love to bring it up you love talking about draft positioning a lot of people want the Steelers everybody everybody wants draft positioning but as we talked about with the Doug Peterson situation in Philly ah gets a little gore when it's time to you know get your hands a little dirty so Mm. with that being the case let us know thoughts though on these topics on the Brian Flores situation, whether it is the hiring process, the Rooney rule process, or when we're transitioning to this element with Stephen Ross and the allegations made against him in terms of tanking. Whew. Hit us up at Dabody52. Dabody. And at Wesley Euler. The good head. This is Arthur Motes and Wesley Euler on Steelers Nation Radio.